0: Well, good morning. We want to welcome you. Happy Mother's Day. It's great to be together. We want to welcome all of our campuses. And you guys in Wilkinsburg, this is a special Mother's Day because our uh, campus pastor in Wilkinsburg, Dave Donato, his wife, Kristen, just gave birth yesterday, early Mother's Day present to a little boy. Yeah. A little boy named Joel Daniel, and so we're very thankful for a safe arrival and a healthy little boy. I want to welcome you to the Bible Chapel again. And our mission here at the Bible Chapel is to develop followers of Jesus Christ wherever you are on your spiritual journey. We want you to help uh, help you take a step forward. Uh, to a relationship with Jesus or a step further along in your relationship with Christ. We love that word develop because it means just that. It means to bring into reality those of you who don't know Christ yet. We'd love to help you on that journey. And those of you who do, we want to help you make be, become stronger and grow uh, in your walk with Christ. And uh, if you want to take a next step here at the church, if you've been coming a while, you want to take a next step on your bulletin, you can see three opportunities. You can go to a connect class. We encourage you to do that. They run basically all the time. They talk about our history and our vision and our, and our ministries and where we're headed as a church so be sure to go to a connect class or you go to a 12 week discipleship class it's a living grounded class that's an opportunity for you or you may say you know what before I get involved in a class I would like to get involved in an appropriate area of service you can do that as well so three opportunities for you but we want to help you get connected again that's at all of our campuses the opportunity to get connected and the challenge uh, there as well to do that let's pray before we open God's word Father, we thank you that you're a God who loves us and knows us better than we know ourselves. We thank you, Father, that you have uh, guided our path here today. And you're a sovereign God, and you have us here today for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. You never waste our time. And so, Father, our our desire today is to understand what you want to tell us. Our desire is to, is to be open uh, regarding the things you want to say to us. And we don't want to leave here uh, the same we came. So do you work, Lord, in our hearts? Do you work in our minds? Help us to make decisions today that impact eternity. And Father, we thank you that we are able to come together and we're able to sing, and we're able to interact together. And now, Father, through all of our campuses, we want to pray together as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're starting a brand new series, and this series is on the best parenting book ever written, bar none. If someone asks you after this series... What's a great parenting book? You now know the answer. This book was written specifically for parents because the writer understood the importance of teaching our kids at home. This book is an educational, a spiritual instruction manual for parents not only to teach their kids, but to show their kids what it looks like to live a life... Full out, full orbed for Jesus Christ. The book is tucked in the Old Testament. It's the book of Proverbs. And we're going to be spending about 10 weeks in this amazing book in the Old Testament. Regardless of how old your children are, parents, this is a book you have to master. But This isn't a book just for parents. The book of Proverbs is kind of the Bible's one-stop shop. Providing everyday wisdom for everyday life. It is theological. The name Lord, Yahweh, is mentioned in Proverbs 84 times. But it's not theoretical. This is a practical rubber meets the road instruction manual for life. If you're a young adult, this is a book you have to to master this book explains about meaningful, deep relationship. This book tells us, written around 700 B.C., that it doesn't matter how many social media friends you have; it really doesn't matter. Proverbs 18:24 says, "A man of many companions comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother." If you're married, you got a master. You got to master this book. This book has all kinds of things to say about marriage. Let me give you one, Proverbs 5:15. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. That's some pretty good marital advice, isn't it? If you're a leader in any capacity, the book of Proverbs is a book you've got to spend some time in. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Proverbs 11:4: Where there is no guidance, a people fall, but in, a, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Over the next weeks, we're going, to be, we're going to be looking at the dangers of pride and God's word on true humility. We're going to look at the necessity of purity to live the life that God's called us to live. We're going to look at the importance of surrounding ourselves with godly people who give us godly advice, and we're going to learn it is only a fool who rejects the advice Of godly people around them we're going to compare the difference between diligence and laziness we're going to see how important words are the power of words in our in our twitter culture the political realm just shooting off arrows back and forth we're going to see you shouldn't do that the power of words And we're going to learn how to develop a life of meaning and purpose and mission. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord. You know this one with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. We'll also learn that when this book was written, there were a lot of wise people, and there were a lot of wise sayings. The Egyptians, they had their wisdom literature. the Mesopotamians, they had their wisdom literature. But there was one thing that set apart the wisdom literature of the Bible from the Egyptians and the Mesopotamians and everyone else in the world. You know what it was? Proverbs 1:7, the theme of the book, repeated in Proverbs 9:10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where it all begins. Fools despise the wisdom and instruction. As one paraphrase says, start with God. The first step of learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. That's where we'll spend our time next week. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. What I want to do today is very quickly, and we're going to go through this pretty quickly. If you missed some of your notes, don't worry about it. We'll have it on the website. We want to get an overview of the book. I think any time you begin a study of a book, you need to, to get the context of the book. Who wrote it? Uh, where was he coming from when he wrote it? Who was he writing it to? Uh, what, 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 why, why did he write some of the things that he wrote? And so let's get a grasp of the book. If you look at your outline, I have an um, Uh, your notes. I have an outline of the book, and I'm going to go through this very quickly. We're going to look today at the introduction and purpose. Next week, we're going to look at the theme in chapter uh, 1, verse 7, and then chapter 9, verse 10. And then we're going to look at Solomon's Proverbs. Solomon reigned as king over Israel. We'll talk more about him in a second. He reigned from 971 to 9. So he reigned for 40 years. And during that time, he wrote these proverbs. And some of them, not all of them, but some of them, inspired by the Spirit, he compiled in this book. Now what's interesting is, we also have some sayings of wise men. We don't know exactly who they are. Chapter 22 and 23 have these sayings of wise men. But then we get to the next section of the book, part three. More of Solomon's Proverbs, but he's long gone by now. These are Proverbs collected by King Hezekiah. Hezekiah lived 729 to 686 B.C. So or 200 years after Solomon was gone, Hezekiah goes back and he says, go back into the archives, go back and look at some of Solomon's Proverbs. And again, by the inspiration of the Spirit, we have some of these proverbs that King Hezekiah's men put together. Then we have a guy named Agar. We don't know exactly who he is. He writes chapter 30. We have a king, Lemuel, in 31. And some people say that uh, he is another name for Solomon. We'll talk more about that when we get. And then it ends with an acrostic poem, uh, The Noble Wife it's an amazing book as we look at it so you get the big picture of the book the other part that's cool about the proverbs is when you're reading the proverbs you'll read a proverbs sometimes um, a whole section deals with the subject but most of the proverbs are like one line two lines or three lines when it's one line it gives you a truth a pithy cr- a truth right there on its own when it's two lines there's the first line and then the second line Either expounds on that truth, explains that truth, or contrasts that truth. When it's three lines, it's usually a subject together. Now the cool thing about the Proverbs is when you're reading through it, there's kind of a random randomness about it let's just scoop into to, uh, chapter 14 I want to show you a couple things here this is just one uh, of many parts we could go to so you're reading through the, the Proverbs and you're, uh, you're, in, a, you're in 14 and, and you read chapter 14 verse 4 and you read where there is no oxen the manger is clean but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox I love that one where there are no oxen the manger is clean that's a verse on leadership when, when, when people, people are messy and when people are around, it's going to be messy. But man, think of the things you can do as a leader when we can do it together. That's leadership. Then, then the next one, a faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. So you got leadership. Now you have one on Honesty. Skip down a few. Uh, look at verse 10. The heart knows its own bitterness and no stranger shares this joy. And you have one on, um, on, on personal disappointment and personal joy. Only we understand that. So you've gone from leadership to honesty to this, this personal joy and disappointment. And then 11, the house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. Now you have one on, on a home and being grounded in your home. And then one more, chapter uh, 14, verse 12. There's a way that seems right to a man. But the end is what? The way of death. So there in about 10 verses, you've gone from leadership to honesty, to, self, uh, to, to, to joy and disappointment inside, to a grounded life, to, self, to, 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 to self-deception. What's up with all that? Well, isn't that kind of how life is? Isn't that kind of how it works through the day? So you're in your office or at your job. And you're doing some leadership stuff. And all of a sudden someone knocks on your door. And they bring in an issue. And now maybe, maybe there's an honesty issue you're dealing with. And pretty soon you get a call. And you're dealing with something from home. And you read something or you do something. And, and you're reminded of a disappointment or a joy. Isn't that just how life works? That's the way the Proverbs are written. The way life is. everyday wisdom for everyday life. Now one more thing. There are 31 prover- chapters in the Proverbs. And many months have 31 days. So we're going to be in the Proverbs for the next 10 weeks, right? That's going to give all of us time together to read through the Proverbs twice. So I'm going to challenge you. Read a chapter a day. Read it personally, or if you're married, read it as husband and wife. If you have kids, read it as a family. Take five minutes out of your day for the next 31 days. Read through the book of Proverbs, and then start all over and do it again. And if you do that, I'm giving you 10 um, buffer days in there. 10 buffer days. When I was a teacher, I only got like one miss a semester. I'm getting soft these days. You got 10 days. Something happened. You know, the dog ate your Bible or or you were like standing and a wind came and blew away the book of Proverbs. You got 10 opportunities to miss, all right? Let's do it together. I believe, I honestly believe if we would master, if we would, if we would grasp the book of, so- uh, of Proverbs, it will change our lives. It will change our lives. Because we're going to see, these are not just pithy sayings that we throw out here and there. These, these are game changers. If we truly put them into practice. And that's obviously the purpose of the proverbs proverbs chapter 1 verse 1 we get the writer the proverbs of solomon son of david king of israel let's stop there because we want to know who wrote this thing who what was he about so turn back to first uh, uh, kings chapter 3 as you know there were three kings in the nation of israel the first three kings you had saul who was not a very good king god rejected him and uh, anointed David who was a great king had his issues but he was a great king and under David the kingdom was united and some things were going really well under Solomon things took off but now Solomon think about this David is the standard for kings when you read about all the kings of Israel it'll say but he was he was like his father David or he wasn't like his father David david's the standard of kings and now solomon's sitting there and he says oh my goodness what just happened to me some of you parents the first time you had a baby remember remember that what just happened here playtime's over this is real life and that's what solomon happened when david died and he's on the throne and God came to Solomon in a dream and said, Solomon, what can I give you? How can I help you? What do you need to lead my people? And here's what Solomon said, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father David. He's the standard for kings. Although I'm but a little child. Now he wasn't a little child. He's in his 30s. But you know what? He feels like a little child. What am I doing over my head? I'm following David. I don't know what to do. That's what he says. I don't know how to go out or come in. I don't know a thing about this. So verse 9. Give your servant therefore. Man here's the prayer of parents. Give your servant therefore an understanding mind. To govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern your great people? Every parent should jot that down. That's our prayer, isn't it? God, I am over my head. I've never had a child before, or I've never had a two-year-old before, or I've never had a teenager before, or I had a teenager and I thought I mastered it, but this teenager ain't working like it's supposed to. I need your help. I need you. And God was so pleased, God was so pleased with Solomon's request. Look at verse 13. I give you, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I give you also what you didn't ask for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall be compared with you all the days of your life. And that's what happened during Solomon's reign. If you turn over to chapter 4, verse 25, look at verse 20, or chapter 4, verse 20. Judah and Israel were as many as the sand of the sea. They ate and drank and were happy during Solomon's reign. Look at the end of verse 24. And he had peace on all sides around him. Solomon's reign, Israel was at peace. Look at verse 29. Uh, Look at verse. uh, 25, and Judah and Israel lived in safety from Dan to the, from the north to Beersheba in the south, and every man under his vine and under his fig tree. That just means there was plenty to eat and plenty to drink. They didn't go without food. Uh, look at verse 26. Solomon also had 40 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. If you've been to Israel, some of us were just there. In Megiddo, there is a a city, and that was a city where Solomon kept his horses in Megiddo. By the way, 4th, 5th, and 6th graders, uh, Megiddo is where Solomon kept his horses. Where did Solomon keep his armies? In in his sleeveys. (laughs) <laughs> never mind it didn't, it didn't work the first service either I should have known I'm not very wise uh, I'm going to get wiser as I go through the Proverbs but check this out look at verse um, 32 Solomon spoke 3,000 Proverbs and his songs he wrote songs 1,005 and then look at verse 34 and the peop- and peoples of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who who had heard of his wisdom. The king said, man, Solomon, I got to go listen to that guy. I want to go hear what he says. He is the wisest person in the earth, on the earth. And they went to have an audience with Solomon. But here's the deal. Wisdom is a gift from God. But it's developed. We'll see that in a second. And Solomon just didn't walk around saying pithy things. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. Listen to this. Besides being wise, the preacher, that's Solomon, also taught the people knowledge. Check this out. Weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. Don't miss that. It wasn't that Solomon just said these pithy things. He studied. He researched. He arranged these proverbs with great care. Because you'll see in a second as we look at the purposes, he is writing this for parents to teach their kids at home. He understands that his, if, if Israel is going to be strong, it has to have strong homes. He understands that if Israel is going to be strong 10 years, 20 years in the future, the kids have to get God's word and not just get it in their mind. they got to get it in their heart, and they got to apply it to their lives. Solomon realized that the future was at stake. And he said, I'm going to study, I'm going to arrange these. The preacher sought to find words of delight. He sought to find the word, just the right word that would click with the person. Just the right way to say it, that a person could remember it. And uprightly, he wrote these words of truth, the Proverbs. By the way, what's a proverb anyway? We need to know that before we get started, right? The word proverb is a Hebrew word, masal, which comes from a verb meaning To be like or to be compared with. So a proverb is a statement that makes a comparison, a contrast, or summarizes a common experience. A contrast, a comparison, or summarizes a common experience. Now, proverbs are a general statement, not an unconditional promise. I want to say that again. A proverb is a general statement. This is normally the way things work. But it's not an unconditional promise. We'll talk more about that as we go through. Okay, Solomon began to, uh, to, to write these proverbs. And like a great teacher, he set out a lesson plan. And when he wrote the book, he starts with a five-fold purpose. By the way, every book of the Bible, when you're studying a book of the Bible, every writer has a reason for writing the book. Sometimes they state it straight out. Other times, you just learn it as you go through the book. But Solomon says, I don't want you to miss this. Here's the reason I'm writing these. The first, he says, I'm writing these, look at verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. My first reason for writing this is so that you parents, you teachers can, can dispense wisdom and instruction. You want your kids to grasp wisdom with their heads and with their hearts and out in their hands. That word wisdom is a fantastic word. It's the Hebrew word chokmah and it's found 45 times in the Proverbs. When you first read the word hukma in the Old Testament, you read it in Exodus chapter 28. And it's used to describe a person who has a specific ability to get a job done well. In Exodus chapter 28, it's used of the men who, who sewed the garments of Aaron the priest. God had given specific instruction of how to put these garments together. And so the person with Hokmah, the person with skill was brought in to weave and embroider and make these garments. It's also used later in 1 Kings when they were building the temple. They brought in men who... Who were, who were skillful builders. Think about that. They had no concrete. They had no cement. They had to put blocks on blocks. They had to put keystones in particular places. They had to chisel out certain things. It was going to be a beautiful structure. And you had to have m- men who were, who were skilled at this. That's what the word means. Hogma, skill. Well, now the word wisdom, the word wisdom is to be skilled in moral living if you're following on your notes wisdom embracing God's word and learning the skills of living it out living out the biblical truth in everyday life embracing God's word and learning the skills to live it out in everyday life wisdom is that material by which we build a life that counts don't you want to do that don't you want to build a life that matters you know it's interesting some people don't think two wits about eternity but there are some Christians and you talk to them and they say how are you doing and yeah, I'm praying for the rapture <laughs> just praying for the rapture well the rapture is going to come in God's time but in the meantime he left you here to get some things done He left you here to live a life that counts. He left you here to live your life in such a way, Matthew 5, that people see what you do and say, that's pretty cool. That couldn't have come from you. That must have come from God. Yesterday, we had a memorial service for Debbie Gilbert. Debbie's a longtime member of our church. Normally sat right there. For 28 years... Debbie went through the process of MS and uh, some, some challenging times. But she, in her walk with the Lord, lived in wisdom. She accepted this challenging thing going on. Did we pray for healing? Absolutely. But she accepted what God had given her. And she used it for his glory. She was a prayer warrior. I had all kinds of emails about her praying and encouraging and praying for her family. She was a person who knew that physically there were some things she couldn't do. But she she used those things as caregivers and people gathered around her. She, She ministered to them and In in significant ways. In in, in a difficult situation, she said, this is difficult. She said, Debbie would say, I'm content about 85% of the time. She was human. But she was going to use that difficult situation to bring honor to God. Debbie wasn't waiting to die. She was living with the life that God gave her. You see, that's wisdom. And if we live with that life, if we understand this is what has God has given us. He's given us these kids. He's given us these opportunities. He's given us this job. And yeah, MS, cancer, difficult times. Yeah, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to that in such a way that the world says, you know what, they say they're a Christian, and then they go through MS, and they really believe it, and they really live it out, and they really honor God through the most difficult times. That's the life God's called us to live. That's the life. Isn't that that the life we want to pass down to our kids? We want to let them see. See, life's challenging sometimes. Life doesn't always work out the way we think it's going to. But even in the challenging times, you can honor God, and you should honor God, all that God's given you. So Solomon says, that's why I'm, that's why I'm writing this book. I want you to know wisdom. I want you to grasp wisdom, the skill of living morally, the skill of, of taking God's word and putting it into practice. Then he says, to know wisdom and instruction. I love the word Instruction. Another word for sure, it's, it's the Hebrew word masar. And it just, it basically means discipline. I'm going to get the job done. See, God gives wisdom, right? Proverbs 2, 6, wisdom comes from the Lord. God gives wisdom. And he gives us the Holy Spirit. And he expects us to live a life pleasing to him. And sometimes that is takes discipline. So there's a temptation in front of us, right? We know it's wrong. We want to do it. If we didn't want to do it, it wouldn't be tempting. And so we have to make a decision. There has to be some discipline. I'm either going to follow my flesh and do that, and then ask God's forgiveness, flippantly say that, or I'm not going to do that because it's wrong. And, and every fiber of my flesh wants to do it, but I'm going to discipline myself not to do it. Just had the NFL draft, right? A couple of weeks ago. And these uh, NFL teams researched and films and interviews to get the right person, and they they drafted the best of the best. I mean, to play to play NCAA football—that's a big deal. But not every NCAA football player is good enough to play in the pros. So now you got a big deal. They 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 drafted the best of the best of the best. But how many stories do we hear about these? draft picks that just bomb out because of what? Lack of discipline. Maybe it's physical discipline. They, they, they're not going to put in the work. Maybe it's mental discipline. I remember talking to a guy who got drafted by the Steelers and he was going through training camp and I said, How, how's it going? He was coming to the Bible chapter. How's it going? He said, man, the physical I can handle, but the mental, I'm exhausted all the time or or the moral anyone remember a first round draft pick called Johnny Manziel the discipline and so I have a bug on my Bible and it's a stink bug so I can't kill it I don't know what to do with it that's never happened before that was a little weird so, um, where was I? Oh, wisdom and instruction. So, so we have uh, wisdom, right? And then we can develop wisdom. So, it's pretty cool. Solomon gives us. Okay, we got to hurry. Uh, second one, uh, Solomon says, to understand words of insight. I love the word insight. Insight means to, to see between issues. Man, as a parent, don't you want insight? I mean, you know the issue, Right? Your kids acting out or whatever, but what's causing them to do that? What's causing them to do that? What's the hidden issue? That's what insight is—to see between issues. The third reason uh, uh, Solomon writes this is uh, to to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. To receive instruction in wise dealing. So we have insight to see between issues. Wise dealing means to act with insight. To actually put it into practice. And Solomon says, I want you to receive this. And I want you to to put wise dealing into practice in a way that's right. In a way that's fair. In a way that's impartial. Just think about how that would change our families. If as parents... We had insight. We could see between the issues, and then we could deal wisely by, by putting a plan into action that is right, that is fair, and that is impartial. Man, that's good stuff, isn't it? That's why this book is a book parents and grandparents have to master. By the way, the same word wise dealing is used of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 52, behold, my servant shall act wisely. That's what Jesus did. You want to know what it looks like to act wisely? You just study the life of Jesus. Number four, to give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the youth. I love that. I'm going to give two words here, real quick. I love the word prudence. When you first read the word prudence in Scripture, it's a negative word. It's used in Genesis chapter 3 of Satan, he was cunning. He was crafty. He was slippery. He was the, Greek word, the Hebrew word prudent. But then as you go through the Old Testament, prudence becomes a positive word. It means the capacity of escaping the tricks of others. If you're prudent, you have the capacity to see beyond the immediate situation and you're able to escape the tricks of others. Man, don't we want our kids to be prudent. How many tricks are out there? How many deceptions out there? How many people trying to deceive our kids? And if we can instill prudence in our children, they can see behind that. They can escape the tricks of people trying to bring them under. The word simple in, the, in, in, in the Proverbs is a cool word. It does not mean a person who's slow or hard headed. It means a person who is inexperienced. Gullible. Naive. L- 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 lacks, l- lacks, the, lacks the experience they need. To make a right to easily influenced. Now think about how many people. I mean how, how many people. Some, some, some people come up. No one in here. This didn't happen in any of our campuses. But people from. A church I pastored in my another life Can't come up right and they say have you read this book this is the greatest book in the world and you say are you serious you bought into this you bought into this book it's not even scriptural not even based in scripture at all what are you doing that's what I'm thinking I'm saying oh thanks very much I'll, I'll check it out You can be 8 or 80 and be simple. And that's because you haven't instilled the discipline in your life to make certain you came to know, you grasp God's word and then put it into action in your life. Now lest you think this is just for youth and just parents teaching your kids, Look at the last one. Verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands. Here's why I'm doing this. Solomon says. To understand a proverb and a saying. And the words of the wise and their riddles. To understand a proverb and a saying. Uh, Solomon is saying here. Let the wise hear. You're wise. You still need taught. You've not arrived yet. Increase in learning. Um, understand guidance I love the word guidance it's it's, it's really a word of the ropes that are on a ship that um, that that guide the sails so here you are going down the path of life and, and, and you don't know which way to turn but when you have when you're wise by God's standard and when you have learned and when you put it into practice you have God is allowing you to have control of the ropes and you're saying God which way do I go and he tells you he gives you what you need to do what he's calling you to do I don't know about you but I found out that life isn't always black and white do you agree with that wouldn't you like it to be sometimes wouldn't you like there to be a passage of scripture that says do this right now right now I said exclamation mark but it's not there and there's some gray areas there's a guy here when I first came to the Bible Chapel uh, Sam Meisner he was an elder uh, and he had a, a company here in Pittsburgh and uh, he had an opportunity to go take a job in Dallas and Sam told me the story he said he was just, just it was a great opportunity it was, did he move his family and did he leave the church and all that stuff and, and he was just grappling with that and then he had to make a decision the very next day and so he uh, he uh, sat down one night and just started reading through the Proverbs he said all night long and he said by morning he had his answer and he stayed here in Pittsburgh now was there a verse that said don't move to Dallas no but as he let the wisdom wash over his mind God started speaking to his heart see that's the beauty of scripture in the gray areas God's word washes over our mind absorb it in our heart and then we're able to do the things that's right and fair and, in, and, and with equity because God by His Spirit is guiding us through His Word. Okay. Handing this off to all the campuses now. And I'll apologize to you on Monday because I'm running late. Apologize now as I'm handing it off. <laughs> Got that over with. Okay. <laughs> 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 One last thing I have to do tomorrow. Uh, I didn't get to finish so I'm going to finish a, <clears throat> a critical part uh, next week Solomon didn't end well so I just want to remind you that you can be wise and do some foolish stuff we'll talk about that next week as we talk about the fear of God but moms man what a responsibility you have of teaching our kids you've got to master Proverbs chapter a day I'm going to read it through twice over the next times alright What I want you to do, what I want to do now is invite Laura Ankram up. Uh, Laura leads our uh, women's ministry, and she's going to pray uh, for the women of our church.
1: I'd like to invite all the women here to stand, mothers, uh, those of you who would like to be a mother, those of you maybe who are like me and skipped a step and you find yourself in the position of being a grandmother, and those of you who just influence children. That should be every woman in this room. I want to pray for all of us. So will you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of motherhood. And I pray that you would meet each mother standing here in the midst of her circumstances, no matter what they are, and bring your peace, and your joy Lord we pray that you would give wisdom to each mother here as she just faces those daily challenges of being a good mom Lord we know motherhood is not easy but it is worth it so help us to cherish each moment that you give us with our children Lord, we pray for new and expectant mothers. We ask, Lord, that you would give them courage as they step into this new role. We also pray for those who are rearing children all on their own. We ask that you would remind them that they can rely on you for help each and every day. And Lord, as mothers watch their children grow into adulthood we pray that you would blossom those relationships as they change lord we also know that mother's day can be hard for some of the women standing in this room today so we want to pray for them as well for those whose desire to be a mother has not been fulfilled I pray that these women would know your presence as you fill the emptiness in their hearts Lord where relationships are strained between mother and child we pray for healing in those relationships we ask that you would comfort those who have lost a child And for those who are privately grieving the loss of an aborted child, we pray for your mercy and your peace as you restore her heart. And Lord, we pray for those who have lost their mother. Please bring to mind sweet memories of her this weekend. Lord, I pray for each woman here. Whether we have our own children or not, we want to teach children to know you and do your will. So help all of us to be worthy models for the children who are influenced by our lives. And we ask all of this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, amen. Now, I would like to invite our pastoral staff and any elders here down front. um, We would be happy to pray with you for any need that you might have. And ladies, happy Mother's Day. Enjoy your day.